This week on Geek Explained, in part three of Geektober 2021, returning guest Owen from the Owen Likes Comics YouTube channel joins me for a look back at one of the most iconic superhero horror stories as we put a special spooky Geek Explained spotlight on Marvel Zombies. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and today's episode is part three of Geektober 2021, the series where every single week in the month of October, I'm taking a look at a different piece of horror slash Halloween media. Uh, so far, we've dived into the world of video games and film, and this week, we're diving back into the world of comic books. Now, there's been a lot of buzz, there's been a lot of excitement around a certain Marvel story ever since the elements of it popped up in the animated What If series on Disney+. And this week, we're going to dive into the original comic, the story that started it all. We're going to be talking about the narrative. We're going to be talking about the spinoffs. We're going to be talking about the lasting legacy. And of course, we're going to be talking about all the flesh-eating fun as I, alongside Owen from the Owen Likes Comics YouTube channel, dive into Marvel Zombies. Uh, really excited to talk about this. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and I think this is the perfect season to talk about a comic like this. Uh, just real quick, in case you are interested, quick health update from me. I am on the mend. Um, I went to see my doctor over the past week, also um, spent some time in the ER. Uh, I'm okay. I'm resting at home. Um, I've gotten some medication, and I have some tests being done we're gonna see how things are gonna go from there but i am on the mend i am feeling better however uh this week is gonna be a little bit of a geek explained light episode uh no news no weekly review no comics but i'm gonna save all of that for next week when i hopefully fingers crossed i'm feeling a lot better but that just means you get double the amount of weekly review you get a ton of comics that i get to talk about and there's gonna be a ton of news to talk about as well well and i'm really excited to finally get into some mailbag stuff too so stay tuned for that this episode is just going to be a little bit of me talking getting this intro together and then we're going to dive headfirst into the conversation i had with owen we had a ton of fun discussing the original series its sequels its spinoffs even the crossover with ash from the evil dead and the army of darkness had a great time owen is amazing his youtube channel is wonderful go check him out if you haven't already uh he produces some of the best video essays on youtube specifically tailored to comedy and I am very fortunate to count him among one of my friends. So without further ado, let's roll right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, which is a very special Geektober Geeksplained Spotlight on Marvel Zombies. Zombies. <laughs> 
Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for part three of Geektober. This is, of course, the month where every single week in October we are dedicating a different episode to a different corner of the horror and spooky season. This week we are going to be tackling the world of comics, almost like a comic book-focused podcast should have some horror comics involved. And it just took three weeks, that's all. Easy. And so to talk about Marvel or giving it away, I guess, though, I guess you would know by the title of this, talking about horror comics, talking about specifically horror comics that are in pop culture, in the mainstream today. Of course, the first horror comic that springs to mind is Marvel Zombies. Marvel Zombies has had kind of a renaissance lately. You know, we've gotten multiple spinoffs, multiple sequels, and this year, in fact, just recently, we had a Marvel Zombies-focused uh, episode of the MCU-adjacent series, What If? And so... In this week's episode, we're going to be revisiting the original Marvel Zombies story, the original five-issue story by Robert Kirkman and Sean Phillips, and to talk about this incredible series, I brought on the man who I have deemed the Sultan of the Ultimate Universe, the Czar of 1616, Owen Likes Comics himself, Owen Farrington. Owen, how are you, man? You know, some say I'm maybe the third most like senior architect of the Ultimate Universe after Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Miller. Then it's like me and then maybe Jonathan Hickman, <laughs> which I'll take, I'll take. Thanks for having me on, Eric. It's uh, it's good to be back on the Geeks Playing podcast. I noticed you've had Matt on um, since I've been last on, and I'm a bit upset that he got back on before me. But, you know, all men are created equal, as he likes to say, so I'll take that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing Marvel Zombies with you, like I said. Like we said off mic, it's a book that I've always found really interesting. I covered it last year on my channel um, for Halloween, and I'm excited to dig into the the spooky details of it with you. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I love that you said, as he says, all men are created equal for Matt. Um, but yeah, I think Marvel Zombies has always been fascinating to me because it's this idea that shouldn't work on paper and is like so different from each other. When you talk about like superheroes and zombies, it just feels like they're too, you know, far away when it comes to genre storytelling and having something like this not only work, but spawn sequels, spinoffs, and even run up against the evil dead at one point. Um, it's kind of interesting to look back on the staying power of this series and now with it showing up in what if and people wanting to revisit that series as well to figure out what the hell is going on with this um how do you do you remember the first time you picked up marvel zombies and kind of what you felt about it reading it for the first time yeah i i mean i remember reading the robert kirkman's miniseries when it first came out obviously like my first exposure to marvel zombies was in ultimate fantastic four where it kind of leads into I was reading that uh, that series as it was coming out, and I remember the the two issue story with the alternate zombie universe, and then obviously that spawns into its own miniseries with uh, Robert Kirkman. I remember when that came out, and I remember like visibly reading the first issue. I remember like there were some incredible like variant covers for that series. That, yeah, like, took different like iconic Marvel comics covers and like zombified them. And I remember just like being captivated by all of those different covers and being desperate to kind of read this series and see what like this twisted, distorted take on such familiar Marvel characters. And 
the original Marvel Zombies story, I, like you said, it's a, it's so kind of simple in its premise that it shouldn't work. And yet, I don't know whether that's just because Robert Kirkman is like one of the best storytellers in terms of zombie comic books of kind of this generation. Right. And obviously with his success on Walking Dead as well. Or whether it's just like the fact that they nail the character dynamics in this miniseries so well that it does almost like defy all expectations and become like quite a celebrated and quite a seminal series for its time. Yeah, absolutely agree. And the thing that's really interesting about Robert Kirkman is that he's so entrenched in both of the genres separately. Like at this point, when this uh, when this series first came out, I believe it was uh, 06, 07, um, he had already been knee deep in both Walking Dead and invincible and so there was like this thought that oh maybe he's just the superhero guy or maybe he's just the zombie guy and like he was willing to combine them both it's like peanut butter and jelly they just they go so well together and bringing on an artist like sean phillips who is so good at the gore in this is incredible like when you see some of the stuff that is that takes place in this book it is a wonder that marvel let them do that I mean, specifically, like, when you get the the leg, and we'll get into, like, the plot and everything, the leg popping out of Bruce Banner's stomach, like, I'm, I was, I, and I was rereading it for this episode, and I was just like, how did they, how did Marvel okay this? Like, yeah. it's, it's kind of wild, but you mentioned it before, the, uh, the idea for Marvel Zombies started off with the crossover story arc in Ultimate Fantastic Four issues 21, 22, and 23. Uh, can you give our listeners just kind of the basic rundown on what that story was? And I think just for simplicity's sake and for sake of, you know, us, you know, keeping as little time as possible, can you just start with the birth of the Ultimate Universe and just go from there? <laughs> yeah, so I kind of like, I feel like I'm in a weird Groundhog Day where people just ask me to talk about the Ultimate Universe now. <laughs> I, I never thought I was going to be that guy, but I'll, I'll take it. So yeah, so the origin of like the Marvel Zombie series comes from Ultimate Fantastic Four. Um, so Ultimate Fantastic Four, as you kind of might know, is like a younger reimagining of the Fantastic Four, more kind of based in modern science as opposed to like the Cold War era of like the Lee and Kirby um versions and so it's co-created um by brian michael bendis and mark miller who are like the two big architects of like the early ultimate universe and um in like the what a couple of volumes in mark miller comes back and writes it solo and he does this uh three issue story called crossover where they start teasing the ultimate reed richards is kind of building a device that can like reach out to other alternate universes versions of Reed Richards um, and there's this big kind of epic reveal at one of the end of the issues where it looks like he's connected with Reed Richards of like Earth 616 of like the main Marvel Universe version of Mr. Fantastic which was quite a big deal because like this is like 2005 so it's like we're only kind of four or five years into the Ultimate Universe and one of the big things that like editorial set on Marvel at the time was well one dead means dead in the ultimate universe if a character's killed off they don't come back but the other like big mandate that they were set from editorial was they weren't to ever cross over with the normal marvel universe it was to be as much of like a separate publishing imprint as possible so when you have this big reveal at the end of uh, i can't remember off the top of my head which issue it is where it looks like ultimate readers connected with 616 read 
this was like a massive thing. And I remember reading it at the time and thinking, you know, holy X, uh, you know, what's, <laughs> what's going to go on here. And then in the following issue, like ultimate Reed Richards travels to that universe and goes to meet with what he thinks is 616 Reed. And it's actually like a very similar version to earth 616, but um, one where the inhabitants have been infected by an alien zombie plague that the sentry brought back and, Basically, um, the zombified Reed Richards and the zombified Fantastic Four, who still retain all of their intelligence and personality, by the way. That's kind of the, yeah. the cool thing about the Marvel zombies. They're not just kind of mindless flesh eaters. They still like retain their personality and their intelligence and their abilities. But now they are just kind of consumed by a desire to eat flesh and destroy things. <laughs> so Ultimate Reed goes over and basically gets ambushed by hit like the zombie fantastic four and then the rest of the ultimate fantastic four have to figure out what's going on travel there as well and save him and, and bring him back um and so it's only like a short like three issue story just kind of like a, a one and done thing that mark miller did in his uh his and greg land's run on ultimate fantastic four but i remember at the time that arc like really stuck out to me and i thought what a like what a cool like universe that they just created for this little kind of story between big events in the ultimate fantastic four series and then it, it's kind of no surprise that the the reaction to it was so strong that like within a year they announced that robert kirkman was going to be writing like a standalone uh marvel zombie series which is the main focus of, of this episode yeah and it's so it's so funny because like that it feels like that was when the idea behind, you know, especially those two rules with Ultimate Marvel, which they ended up breaking anyway, you know, people who died did come back, specifically Peter Parker. And then also Miles met Peter Parker from 616. So, like, it's funny that it created such a buzz that we're like, oh, my God, like, they are going to cross over. And it's so an, it's such an interesting, I guess, plan when it comes to, like, um zombie reed who's like i am gonna pose as this other form of myself or as a normal form and eventually like we would find out that with the zombie sentry it was kind of like a time loop situation and all that stuff spoilers uh there's gonna be spoilers all over this but it was spoilers for a 15 year old comic book <laughs> and everything that came out after <laughs> but after the success and after the buzz of that three issue arc, Marvel was of course like, okay, we got to capitalize on this. And so they brought in Robert Kirkman, they brought in Sean Phillips. And what I find so fascinating, and it's something that I thought as well during, especially during this most recent read through of it, Robert Kirkman initially wanted the main character to in this five issue series to be Luke Cage because he had unbreakable skin and the story was going to be, he was the last last surviving hero on earth wow I, I, you know i didn't know that yeah it was it was that wild. Makes so much sense he'd be like such a great protagonist absolutely in this almost like uh i am legend kind of like scenario yeah and he had really set this cool. whole thing up he set this idea up this pitch was centered around luke cage kind of in the zombie apocalypse and then right before his meeting with marvel he was skimming through the pages of the three issue crossover event in ultimate fantastic four and saw that greg land had drawn luke cage as a zombie and he was like god damn it and god so damn it greg land god damn it greg land um a theme if you will but 
as the <laughs> as the pitch kind of changed out of that, he ended up bringing in the concepts for the original five issue series. So what's cool about the series itself, what's cool about the five issues is that Robert Kirkman and Sean Phillips structured it to be able to stand alone. You didn't have to read that three issue uh, arc from Ultimate Fantastic Four, but if you did, you would gain a greater appreciation for that initial first issue. Yeah. Which focuses heavily on Magneto because the whole well, way. What, yeah. Which is how. Well, that's what I was going to say that um, one of the things I kind of skimmed out in my overview is when Reed and the Fantastic Four end up in the Marvel Zombies universe, Magneto is kind of leading like what remains of like the human resistance. Yeah. And it's this kind of great flip on like his traditional dynamics where he's kind of the, um, like the hero at the end of the day trying to like salvage what's left of his people, the irony of it being humanity. Right. Um, but obviously the Ultimate Fantastic Four series ends with like him and his kind of team taking uh, the Ultimate Fantastic Four to the Baxter building and sending them back. And like Magneto is getting ready to like destroy the machine, which he hopes will like eradicate all of the zombies. And it kind of like the Fantastic Four series, like we don't know what happens to Magneto. We just follow Reed, Sue, Johnny and Ben. As they go back to the ultimate universe and are like, wow, what a what a crazy day that was. Yeah. But yeah, like the Kirkman series like picks up immediately after and you find out what happens to Magneto. So like if you hadn't read the Fantastic Four series, you'd just be like, okay, there are zombies and Magneto is like one of the few non-zombified Marvel characters left. But like you said, if you read the original series and you knew Magneto's arc and what he'd been through, it just adds that extra layer of, of intrigue. Yeah, absolutely. And in seeing Magneto, especially in this first chapter, like essentially have his last stand trying to uh, snake Pliskin himself out of New York, like dodging zombies everywhere he can. Um, there's a cool moment where he uh, <laughs> there, all the zombies are advancing on him and Cap, Cap throws his shield. He's like, oh, good, you brought your shield. And he starts like using it as like a little like kratos blades of chaos like whipping people with it bringing it back very cool use of his powers and he at one point severs cap's head which is kind of the iconic look of zombie cap and him ultimately being taken down by the wasp i think was really cool where he's like he's trying to escape because he finds out that cortez and the rest of his acolytes on asteroid m are still around they're still floating up and he's like oh my god i gotta get out of here so he's like trying to make his way out gets ambushed takes out everybody drops a building on them and he's like you guys can't beat me i'm the best and behind him you see the little dot like slowly getting closer and then Janet Van Dyne just pops up, bites into his neck, and then all of them start tearing into him. And it's super depressing because you're like, oh, man, he so might make it out of here. Violence. Yeah. Like, and that's, from the off, it's like, okay, this is nothing like the Marvel Universe you're familiar with. Or even the Ultimate Universe, which did have its amount of violence because it was you know gritty and real in early 2000s yeah extreme and like but it was nothing like this and again i have to give props to sean phillips as a as an artist uh coming off of sleeper with ed brubaker he really took a lot of those um 
those cues and that art style into this book and it shows you can see the graphic violence you can see how much detail he puts into everything like when they're ripping magneto apart like you can tell which piece of his body is being torn into it is gruesome and it is incredible artwork yeah no it is it's like his artwork throughout the entire series like obviously greg land drew the original to a fantastic fall arc and you know he's a relatively controversial artist for a lot of reasons but like i think he does a solid job he mm. has like more photorealistic style which like in a way makes it kind of really scary seeing yeah. like a super realistic version of all the familiar familiar marvel heroes now as like disgusting contorted flesh-eating zombies but i think phillips's art in this like it kind of blends that line of being like realistic but also like quintessentially comic booky um, in a way that like makes the horror stand out quite a lot. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's it goes a long way to selling how hopeless the situation is. And yeah. you talked about before um, the thing that sets these uh, these zombies apart from your traditional zombies. They are themselves. They have their same personalities. Spider-Man is cracking wise whenever he's like in zombie mode and then when he eats and the thing that i find super fascinating about these zombies is once they feed they gain a semblance of their sanity back and the more that they feed the more full they are the more in control of their urges they are and the more intelligent i guess they are yeah i mean i remember the moment when i read the first issue that really stuck out to me it wasn't so much like when they killed and ate magneto it's like the the wisecracking conversation that all the characters are having with each other afterwards. They're all like lounging like got, around. They're all yeah, they're all just kind of like chilling in the street, like chatting like the Avengers normally would, at, like with Magneto's like corpse just <laughs> lying there. It's horrible. But then you got like there's that iconic bit with Spider-Man where like like said as he eats more and kind of um like feeds his hunger like he becomes more of himself and he has that realization he's like oh no i am may mary jay what have, <laughs> I, what have i done and and then yeah so you have like this moment where like all the hair like this like, almost like this moment of like brevity where the characters are kind of a bit more themselves and like it's so like twisted in a way that only robert kirkman could write it yeah where it's like they are themselves but they don't necessarily feel bad about what they've done um and then you get one of my favorite parts in the entire miniseries, which is the arrival of the Silver Surfer. Yeah. I, I love that. Just the way he like just comes shining down. Oh. And I love the parallel as well, because obviously, um, it, I can't remember if it's revealed in this series or in one of the sequel series that the virus comes from the Sentry, who contracts it in space and comes back to Earth zombified. And kind of he's what spreads it across the Marvel Universe. So that idea of like the plague coming down from above and then the Silver Surfer, like contrasting it at the end of the first issue is such a cool parallel. And then what it leads to is just brilliant. And what's really cool about that is that it it kind of grounds itself in classic Marvel. Like there's a lot of classic designs. You have yellow, sh you have Power Man, Luke Cage, well, yeah, the yellow exactly. shirt. You it's have got like a very kind of like 60s, 70s Marvel aesthetic. All to of it. Them. it feels like it's pulling from a lot of like the John Romita, Jack Kirby bill everett kind of era of marvel comics but in this like really like twisted and, and disfigured way 
yeah, everybody has like some form of their 60s and 70s costumes. Like speaking about the the Spider-Man moment, one of my favorite moments is when they all kind of regroup with Iron Man's like zombie army and Iron Man's like, what happened to Magneto? And they're like, uh, we, you know, he died. We couldn't find him. And Iron Man like turns to Pete and he's like, how do you feel about your aunt and your wife? And he's like, no, my aunt and my wife. He's like, he doesn't have that kind of clarity when he's hungry. You liars. It's just really funny, really clever writing. And then, yeah, when the Silver Surfer comes down, I love this depiction of the Silver Surfer. I love yeah, any time that he's, like, depicted as this, like, from on high, like, ethereal being. And he's yeah. just this stark silver across this, like, page of just murky reds and browns. It really makes him feel like he's something else entirely and it sells the fact that he's this cosmic being and when he kind of comes down and he's just kind of like observing everything you know just like what the hell is this and everyone's like oh my god get him and everyone just like jumps at him it's so funny and it's so um, again, very clever writing, and I love how he gives the whole preamble. Um, it's like, hey guys, just letting you know, I sent the signal up, like, Galax is going to be here, he's going to consume your planet. It's like, the speech he gives is like, he's such, like, middle management. I yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, because it honestly reminded me a lot of the, um, the Ebony Moss speech at the beginning of Infinity War, where yeah. it's like, hey, you have the honor of being consumed by Galactus, guys. Isn't that so cool? And he's like yeah. very – as the situation like progresses and as he realizes, oh my god, these are all zombies, he's like, this planet doesn't have a lot of life and it's not going to sustain a lot of life, but the life force inside the planet is going to be great for my master. So just like – Make peace with whatever you got to do. Everything's going to be over in a few hours. Don't even worry about it. And all of them are just like, we got to eat that thing. Whatever it is, we got to have it. And the battle between Silver Surfer and all of these zombified heroes is really fascinating to me. Because like it starts off, um, I don't remember who it is, but somebody goes to try and like chomp down on him and their teeth just shatter. And so he is like almost unbreakable and he's got this like he's firing off blasts as these swarms are coming in and it's terrifying and at the same time kind of beautiful to look at because again that Sean Phillips art is really selling this like this angel being torn apart by demons in, in effect. That's it. Like you've got the moment where like he said Silver Surf is kind of like fighting them all off and then kind of Thor kind of throws Mjolnir at him and then it's it's pretty much just the Hulk that just like overpowers and just rips him to shreds it's it, it, it contrasts like the almost like messiah and angelic depiction of the surfer when he first shows up with just how like how gruesome and how like gritty the the moment is where they finally take him down and destroy him yeah and it it starts off with like you said Hulk like biting and ripping his head off and like it's it's weird because it's not blood right it's kirby crackle is like spewing out of him so like as they're tearing him into pieces like kirby crackle is just coming out of his body like it's this light that they're just consuming and it's yeah it's just like energy more yeah so than actual 
and everybody's like fighting over it and then all of a sudden like you know some of the heroes that didn't get a piece of him because it's a very small group that does i think it's just like six of them um beast comes up he's like you guys didn't save anything for us like you guys are dicks and cap like points at him he's like you would have done the same and all of a sudden like a blast comes out and just obliterates beast's head and they're like wait a second we have these powers now and they have the cause the power cosmic and while all this is going on it's revealed to us that hank pym has a secret that he is keeping the drugged up body of t'challa black panther in this little underground lab and he's like cutting off pieces of him so that he can regain his sanity and look for a cure and yeah, it's because he kind of like as they, they start battling with the surfer hank like kind of just like sneaks out the back door and just <laughs> goes to like do you ever have like at work do you ever have like a like a snack drawer yes just like a little like stash of snacks you just got you know you need kind of a bit of a sugar rush or you need like a bit of an adrenaline kit yeah. just kind of grab a grab a snack that's basically what he's doing to the king of wakanda it's <sighs> disgusting and you see him like on this like slab essentially he's already taken most of his arm hank goes like all right hold on i know i've got you drugged up so you're not gonna feel any of this but i'm starting to he has to get his fix he's like i'm starting to lose it so i gotta take your leg real quick and he just like saws off his leg and he's like all right gnawing on this and he's trying to find a cure and again like the whole idea that the more you feed the more sane you become and the more you're able to control your urges is a fascinating choice and like having him essentially trying to do this in secret and then janet finds him she's like what the hell are you doing like you gotta share that with me or i'm gonna tell everybody and she like goes into wasp form and she's like blasting him and hank like grabs her he's like yeah i'm not gonna let you do that and he bites her head off again hardcore flashes to the ultimate universe jumping into <laughs> ultimatum janet van hey, dyne I, I cannot think, catch a break I think they got i think Kirkman and Phillips got their first in fairness. I think this is still a few <laughs> years before Ultimatum. So that's like, true. Weirdly enough, despite the fact that this is a more kind of gruesome and more like horror focused book, I still think it's probably done with more taste here than it is in, in Ultimatum. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. Because the blob is not a zombie, the blob is just really gross and terrifying. Yeah, yeah but and then it's... you have then you have Hank Pym biting the blob's head off. Yeah. Which thanks. thanks for that. Maybe Hank's just got a taste for human flesh, which he does say in this book. He's he's like, hey, just so you know, and he's like, T'Challa can't understand him. He's drugged up. He's he's not comprehending anything. Hank's like, just so you know, like I feel like I've gotten a taste for flesh. Like if once I find the cure and I cure everybody, I'm probably still gonna eat people. And it's like, yeah. oh my god, like Hank Pym is the worst. It does really kind of prove that no matter the circumstance, no matter what universe we're in, Hank Pym will always be kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, Hank Pym bites off, uh, bites off Janet's head, tosses her body aside, spits out the head because zombies don't like zombie flesh. Very important distinction here. And so later on, we find out that janet survived so this is a change from again normal zombie stuff in that when you behead a zombie it's still going it's still alive more or less and so this we see like 
T'Challa has fashioned himself like a crutch and he's got Janet's like ar- head under his arm like a football and she's just like please can I just have a bite I just want a little bite of you and he's like can you stop like I, I- love the dynamic yeah like, the like the little like the B plot in this series where it's T'Challa and Janet trying to like uh, find the acolytes and get to asteroid M before like the Avengers and Galactus have this big fight. Like just the like almost like bickering relationship. It it, it brings so much like levity and such like a lightheartedness to like such a dour and, and dismal situation. It, it's great. Yeah, you get that fun little odd couple plot where they come upon the acolytes and they're like, "Where's Magneto?" And T'Challa's like, "I have no idea what's going on," and they're they're like shocked because they're like oh we thought it was only magneto but there's another human left okay we got to get you out of here let's go and one of the my favorite moment one of the uh acolytes is like dude we gotta kill this guy like we gotta kill him and t'challa's like you first and he just like chucks janet's head at him and it just like janet's like finally and she starts like eating this guy and everybody's like oh my god we have to kill this guy and cortez is like no he's cool he's good people he's fine let's go and so they're like, all right, let's go kill this Janet head. And T'Challa's like, no, she's coming with. And I'm immediately like, that is a bad idea. That is just, it's every zombie movie where it's like, no, we got to keep one alive to test. And it's like, we we know how this goes. Yeah, the only way you can do that successfully is like how they did it in Shaun of the Dead, where he just like yeah. ties one up in the garage and just like plays video games with it. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, you can't even do that with Janet. She's just a head. Yeah. So. so I, I, don't, I don't get the appeal of, of bringing her to Asteroid M. I don't either. If It's it's got to be just, like, a sentimental thing. It's like, hey, we were friends once. We were Avengers together. Um, but whatever. And so Galactus does show up. And he's immediately, like... And I, I want to read this quote because it's hilarious. Um, he says... Come on. He says... Prepare to be devoured in the name of Galactus. Your lives must end so that I may live. Although my hunger is at its peak, I must pause a moment to ask, where is my herald? Where is my servant, the Silver Surfer? And it's like, he's giving this grandiose, like, I am here to consume your world. Hey, real quick, I lost my dude. Has anyone seen Norman Rad? Just like, just before I kind of get back to, you know, the whole devouring the planet. (laughs) Has anyone seen Norrin? I, I, I probably can't like find this him this big. I don't know scaling Get real shy, quick because I'm really on like a skateboard. <laughs> he's, he's really hard to miss. Like no one looks like him. Like, and Hank, and Hank because he's a dick is like, if by Silver Surfer you mean the silver guy that flew around on the surfboard, which yes, obviously that's who he's referring to. He's the like Silver Surfer. You mean that silver guy that surfs? <laughs> like is yes, that I who mean. you're talking about? And he's like, we ate him. And Galactus's face, I have, I have to just that face that he makes, where he goes, "What?" Like, is just <laughs> the best. Like, he's got this hardcore overbite. He's like, "What?" And he's so like disgusted. And I just generally, I love the idea of like, of the Marvel Zombies, like the team, like the Marvel Zombies Avengers. Of putting them against Galactus. Yeah. I just love that pairing so much. It's such a logical antagonist for them to face. Like the probably the two most destructive forces in the Marvel universe when it comes to eating and devouring things for power and just to survive. This idea of like 
that being the big end goal in this series for the Marvel Zombies, it's just, it's great. And it's, there's so many great Galactus moments because it's such like a, a dark humor focused book. And like, like the, the moment where he finds out that Silver Surf has been killed, it's like an opportunity to play with Galactus in a scenario where normally you'd never get the opportunity to have this much comedy with him. Yeah. And like, it's, and to, uh, to clarify, the team we've got is Cap, Hank, Wolverine, Luke Cage. He got his Luke Cage in there. Hulk, Iron Man, and Spider-Man. And those are kind of your seven guys. Those are your seven. What I like about it as well, just to kind of jump in there, what I like about that team is it's pretty much the new Avengers. Yeah. It's pretty much like Bendis's new Avengers team, though obviously like drawn more in like the 60s, 70s, like Marvel style. But it is like the Avengers team that you're, if you're reading comics at that time, they're the heroes you're probably quite familiar with. Yeah. It kind of has that extra layer of like, ugh. (laughs) and having these two unstoppable forces just trying to consume is a really cool way to set up like that big bad um conflict and that climactic uh battle uh t'challa does end up getting brought up to asteroid m and we see again like that's really kind of the end of the story for him in this volume they get up there they're having a good time and the zombies are turned away by Galactus. They're like, this guy's too big. He's got too much power. We got to regroup. And days pass. And they're like, going to Wakanda. They're going and getting vibranium. They're like building this machine. And essentially it's their uh, ultimate nullifier. It's their big ass cannon that they're going to fire at Galactus. And when they go to find him, because it's my question you know, reading through this again was like, why does it take Galactus days to consume this planet? You find out it's because all of the zombified villains have been waging war on him for the previous like three days. And he's just like swatting them away. He's like, you got guys, I am just let me eat your planet. Can you please just leave me alone for five minutes? And it really does feel like that kindergarten teacher who's been like overrun by her 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 kids like they're climbing on tables they're knocking over desks like they will you not just give her quit peace. it please for five <laughs> minutes nap time was an hour ago and you guys have not settled down and all of the uh all the heroes are like oh Okay, cool. Let's set the cannon up. And like they all get their stuff and they fire on Galactus and they hit him square in the shoulder. Like they blow a hole in him. And again, just like with the Silver Surfer, you got that Kirby crackle just like oozing out of him. They shoot him again and they get a second shot off of him. He falls. And then the best part of this comic is all the heroes are like, all right, let's go get him. And all the villains are like, wait a second, no, we've been waging war for the last few days. We've been getting our asses kicked. We earned this. And the be- And what I love about this is at the end of the day, it goes back to a supervillain superhero battle. They're all zombified, but they all retain their personalities, and it's an old-fashioned good versus evil battle over the right to consume Galactus. And you get to see like these classic matchups. You get to see Spider-Man and Venom. You get to see Wolverine and Juggernaut. And my favorite, 
of course, because of who I am as a person, Cap and Red Skull. Cap has half of his head severed off, his brains are, like, exposed, and he's kicking the shit out of out of Red Skull, like he always does. And he basically says, like, you never could hope to beat me in a physical fight. What makes you even try? Has the hunger consumed you that much? Is your judgment that clouded? And Red Skull goes, you need me to spell it out for you? You've never had such an obvious weakness. And he reaches over and just yoinks the rest of Cap's brain out. It is disgusting. Yeah. It is brutal. And it's one of those, like, Mortal Kombat fatalities. Yeah. Like, the only way to really do away with these guys is to vaporize their brain or to sever the brain from the body. And it so is we... like... It is. It, it's like... I, rem- I remember, like, reading this as it came out and, like, just audibly shouting, like, holy shit, when that moment <laughs> happened. It's... Ugh. Yeah, and, you know, immediately, like, Spider-Man uses his blasts to sever uh, Red Skull's head. And I just glossed over this, but in this universe, it's actually Colonel America, not Captain America. Um, It's a very small detail, but it really goes a long way to show how different this world is from the Marvel, from the 616. And he severs Red Skull's head. Red Skull goes, so worth it so worth it just for this incredible and so um eventually the heroes do end up killing all the villains ending their lives and the remaining heroes feed upon galactus so luke cage wolverine hulk iron man spider-man and giant man these six remaining heroes chow down on galactus and again owen mentioned it earlier it is horrifying to just watch the process of this of them devouring galactus and then it does the most unexpected thing where they're all gnawing on galactus page turn it's five years later yep it just immediately jumps and we find the acolytes returning to earth alongside forge t'challa who now has prosthetics and his wife who was one of the acolytes and they're like, okay. Hey, who like, says she can't find love in, in a zombie apocalypse? Good on you, T'Challa. He's even got a little a baby. Situation. Even got a little baby, little baby heir. And uh, we find out that uh, Janet Van Dyne now has a little robot body. And she's chilling. Yeah. She's hanging out. I have no idea how they made that work, but they did. And they all show up on Earth and they're like, they're gone. They do the readings. They're saying like, there's no one here. All the zombies are, you know, doing their own thing, but the the zombie heroes, they're gone. There's no readings of life. We're all that's left. And they ask, like, where did they go? And then we cut to another world where we see these very alien creatures uh, conversing. One of them comes up. They're like, dude, Galactus is here. We got the readings. Galactus is on his way. And they're like, all right, we got to get ready for the end. You get this, like, almost boom tube-esque entrance where yeah you... it is very kind of like dark side-esque yeah the way they just kind of arrive and you see these white spheres in the sky and these six characters have now become the galacti they are this group, galacti and they're like adorned in the galactus armor and that's how it ends and like you just assume they go and feed on the rest of the universe and it's kind of fascinating to think about, like, the implications of that. Because 
we don't know how vast the universe is, but like they have been just going across the universe, like from planet to planet, consuming, not unlike Galactus himself. And they have taken on that role in this version of the Marvel Universe. So um, the story itself, of course, continues on. We get sequels uh, with diminishing returns, I think. Marvel's Obvious 2 is good. Yeah. I mean, weirdly, the first sequel book that we do is not Marvel's Obvious 2, which Kirkman like does. Him and Phillips do come back and do that. Right. The, the this follow-up sequel in 2007 is Marvel Zombies versus Army of Darkness. Yeah. Like, like before they did like a full, like a full-on sequel, they were like, let's cross over with Evil Dead. Let's bring Ash into this universe, which is both like so bizarre a choice and so perfect yeah. in this kind of like, especially like the tone of the Marvel Zombies. It's yes. so like dark humor. Yeah. It's so it's you you can draw so much parallels between that and especially like Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, especially. That like, despite how strange it is to bring Ash and the Army of Darkness into this world, as soon as like you see Ash interacting with these characters, it just makes so much sense. And that's also, it serves as a prequel to kind of like show you the events leading up, which is also such a fantastic choice. Because like, they never bring up Ash in this story, in the original Marvel Zombies story. So it immediately is like, okay, what happened here? What's going on? And then we get, you know, this the follow-up Dead Days, which continues on the prequel path leading up to the events of Marvel Zombies. We get two through five, I think. Or, yeah, two through five. We get Marvel Zombies Return, which kind of finishes out the the trilogy of the Kirkman and Phillips uh, story. Yeah, I, I think, well, like you said that I think like some of the sequels are not as good as the original. I do think that Marvel Zombies Return is one that's worth talking about a bit. For sure. Because that is kind of what like, well, obviously there's been Marvel Zombies stories told after this. This kind of does close the book on this series that Kirkman and like Miller started where it kind of, so in Marvel Zombies 2, that ends, that kind of follows the, Galacti characters as they kind of just like go across the universe and destroy planets and get get back eat everybody uh, <laughs> yeah and then at the end of it you see like the remaining zombies be trapped in like an alternate universe by like the surviving heroes and then that leads into Marvel Zombies Return where the Galacti heroes are now stuck on I think it's Earth Z or Earth Z yeah and it's like um, and they basically like come into contact with the Hulk and it just like destroys that version of New York City entirely. And then that story ends with the Watcher who sends the zombified sentry back through time with the implication being where he ends up is where he appears at the start, where he's... Um, he's patient zero. Infection. Yeah. yeah, he's patient zero. So it's like an entire time loop started by the Watcher which is like, especially if we're going to go and talk about the the What If show and the episode of that that adapts this. I just think that's a really neat way of kind of wrapping that up and in a way that like quite neatly connects everything and kind of makes everything kind of connect. I can't, I can't figure out the words to say, but it does no, kind of wrap everything up in a really interesting way. Yeah, it's, I mean, George Lucas would love it because it rhymes. 
And like, it's, it's this self-contained story almost where you can look at it as this trilogy of stories where it grows out. And then eventually you realize, oh, this is just a continuing loop. This is going to keep on going until, you know, everything shuts down, which we did see the end game of when we saw the zombies pop up again in secret wars. Yeah. They were ruling over this, like essentially badlands esque area where they were warring with the ultrons. And it was like this army of undead versus this army of maniacal robots. And eventually there were, again, is like such an interesting pairing for them because like Ultron's whole mantra is like destroying life to create a perfect world. And then you just have like the Marvel zombies who are just trying to destroy life to survive. It's like such a, like an ideological and philosophical contrast that like, yeah. like that's one thing I love about Secret Wars. This, I don't think there's ever been an event book that's had that many brilliant tie-ins. It's so good. It is like, almost every tie-in book in that series is brilliant. I, I was talking on, on Twitter recently about my love of 1872. So good. Like the old Western style. Um, but there's literally like, in addition to the main kind of Hickman and Ribbick series being one of the best event books ever, you've also got like, there's so many great stories running concurrently with that that you can go and read. And yeah. Yeah. The, the there's the old series. man, old man Logan. You got Thor's planet. Hulk is one of my favorites. Yes. Got like gladiator, Steve, like so good. It is, it, it is like, there's so many. And it stands out as one of those events where it's like the tie-ins are just as good as mm-hmm. the as the main book, which is saying something. Because yeah, as Owen said, like Secret Wars is one of the best, if not the best, comic book events of all time. Like it is incredible. But as we kind of look for look forward and see where Marvel Zombies has kind of ended up, Owen already mentioned it. What if has recently done an episode focused on that marvel zombies idea now the way that they kind of go about it is a touch different uh owing largely to the fact that the century is not a thing yet in the mcu fingers crossed i I, it's weird because obviously i talked about the century recently on on my channel i covered it quite extensively one of the best videos go check it out seriously oh thank you so much but yeah i i kind of dive deep into the original paul jenkins and jay lee miniseries and it's it's one of my favorite things marvel have published in a long time and it's so ripe for like a like a like a watchman style television miniseries yeah i don't know if disney plus is the place to do it i feel like you know if they were still um doing the thing with netflix it could have maybe gone there or maybe it could be like a hulu to me like with my love of, of shows like Doom Patrol, weirdly enough, I think The Century would be like the perfect HBO Max show. Absolutely. So maybe like, you know, Disney Plus over here in the UK has like a stars thing where it's more like adult orientated. Oh, cool. Um, like mature, because I think it's because we don't have Hulu in the UK. Mm. Um, like more of that kind of like mature stuff goes on stars. Right. Disney Plus. So maybe you could do something like that. I'd love to see The Century. Um, I'm gonna, just me personally. I'm going to put but, you on the spot. Who would you cast? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, oh, that's really difficult. Because I, I, I honestly, like, I could see them having a different actor for Bob versus the Sentry. Well, that's it. There's so many different roles you've got to play. Because if you're doing the original Jenkins and Lee miniseries, he can't look heroic. Because the, right. the whole idea is, like, 
it's someone that's forgotten they're a superhero and they've just kind of grown into middle age, they're slightly overweight, you know, they don't look like what you'd expect the hero to, but then you have to contrast it with this like Superman, this like Captain Marvel-esque godlike figure. So maybe you do like the Shazam thing where you have two different actors. I don't yeah. know. I, I think you've got to cast someone like quite out of the box for that character. Right. You can't just get like a big six foot five jacked Chris, guy named Chris to play him. <laughs> I mean, you could, but it would, it would make the Bob could. scenes a little strange. You know, you know who would be fascinating? Um, Paul Giamatti as Bob. Well, and then the you have. <laughs> That's right. He's officially the rhino now. I forgot. Um, but yeah, like, I think it would be interesting. I'll put it out to you, listeners. Who do you think the Sentry should be played by? Um, it's, it's really, I don't know. I think it would be really cool to examine that. But with Marvel Zombies. Um, you know what? I am going to throw one out there. I'm going to just throw a name out there. And I don't know where this has come from. Just part of me has just suddenly decided to say, Aaron Eckhart. Ooh. Why not? He's a great actor. He could definitely do it. That would be awesome. Yeah. Because I mean, we, it. That, that's what we, I'm going with. Aaron we Eckhart. know he can play that like white knight character with Harvey Dent and he's Har- Aaron Eckhart's great. Thank you for smoking is one of my favorite, favorite performances of his. Like it's, he's so good. He would absolutely knock that out of the park. That is an awesome choice. I would definitely back that up for sure. I'd watch that. So with Marvel Marvel Zombies, with the What If show, they went a little different route where I personally thought prior to the episode that they were going to have it that the super soldiers from Civil War were going to be flawed. And when they went to the Siberia base, they broke out, they infected everybody, and then like went on from there. But they decided to go even further than that and go to Janet Van Dyne being Patient Zero. And just like, you know, in the regular MCU, Ant-Man and the Wasp is the worst thing that could have happened to the franchise. And No, I jest. I'm kidding. But, like, it's interesting that they decided to go that route and it'd be like a quantum realm sickness and not specifically, like, zombies or, like, it being, like, some man-made virus. And so she brings it back, or I guess technically Hank brings it back and spreads it throughout the... Um, throughout the Marvel Universe. And I thought it was really interesting to have that moment where they show up on, I'm assuming it's either, I, it's gotta be like the Golden Gate Bridge, it almost looks like, when they show up yeah. and the Avengers like hop out of their Quinjet, they're like, we're gonna do this. And Cap and just like just slaps got... his neck. And you see just like <laughs> Ant-Man feeding on him, like tiny Ant-Man. And then they're all like overrun. How did you feel about the episode? What did you think? So, I think... The the thing for me, like we can talk about it as, uh, like a animated adaptation of the what ifs of the Marvel Zombie story, or we could just talk about it as an episode in the context of the What If show. And if we're going to do the latter, I think the thing for me is it came directly after my favorite episode of the show, which was the Doctor Strange episode, which is like one of the best things Marvel animation has ever done, in my opinion. I think that super good, is terrific. Um, so it was kind of already like okay, you've, you've got a really high high bar to live up to here with, with that brilliant Doctor Strange episode. And while I don't think the What If Zombies episode is like 
among my my top favorites. I do appreciate it as a fan of the original comic book, and I think that it does a while. The, the incited incident that starts the plague is obviously completely different. I think it's a really clever way of, of tying it in, having it be something that um, Janet kind of picks up in the quantum realm and Hank kind of brings back. For I sure. like having Hank and Janet still being like a focal point of the story, yeah. even if like their MCU counterparts aren't as big of a deal as they are in the comics. Right. The fact that they're still kind of at the heart of the zombies is quite a nice nod for me. Um, but then as well, like, obviously, like, they, they transpose a lot of things to fit it into kind of the existing MCU law, but there's still, like, a surprising amount of moments and, and kind of ideas throughout it that make their way into the episode. One of my favorite moments in the episode is when they go, when they find Vision's base. Yeah. And you find out that they've got T'Challa, they've got Black Panther, exactly. And it's so almost, cool. like, ripped directly out of the comic where it turns out that Vision is, like, feeding pieces um, of them to Wanda. to Wanda to the Scarlet Witch and it's this kind of great parallel to the comics with um with Hank keeping him alive to feed himself and then having the fight with Janet there's that between that and then the fact that one like Black Panther is one of the characters that makes it to the end when they get to Wakanda but then as well you've got kind of the severed head of um Scott Lang of Ant-Man <laughs> instead of it being instead of it being Wasp, like having those two characters kind of make it to the end does kind of like, it's a nice nod to the comics uh, in a way that like, I, it's it's funny, I didn't pick up on it at first, but now kind of having revisited the Kirkman miniseries and having the episode in mind, I picked up on quite a few little Easter eggs and references to the original story. It's like, oh, that's that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's funny because like the, I think the biggest criticism of the episode and one that I really kind of ascribe to as well is the the mixing of tones like it didn't really know whether it wanted to be comedic or dark but revisiting the series the series is very much that way as well like there's a lot of comedy there's a lot of casual conversation and it's not all horror and gore and darkness and tension I think the difference with that though is just the perspective in which the story is told from because obviously the comic book is primarily told from the perspective of the Marvel zombies. They are still kind of sentient. They still have their personalities and they still are like the characters we know just now they are infected. Right. Whereas in the episode, we kind of more follow the survivors. We follow Spider-Man and Wasp and Black Panther and all of the kind of characters that are kind of running against the zombies and trying to like survive and find a cure. And so I think maybe the, the fact that they try and do the same style of humor with it being the survivors instead of it being the undead, maybe that's what makes it feel out of place. I'm not 100% sure, but there is like when it's Captain America and Spider-Man and Iron Man and the zombified versions of them are the ones making these kind of incredibly dark jokes. Yeah, It fits because it's coming from the perspective of these incredibly um, like paradoxical characters. Right. Whereas maybe when like there's the scene... Um, where they're on the train and um is it Sharon Carter has to like sacrifice herself. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Cap. And then immediately after like Peter like makes a joke about um about or, something. Yeah, I I, I, I think I think Wasp might, like, I think Evangeline Lily is like, oh I've got Sharon on me or like something like that. Yeah, there's something like that. I, I think maybe it's just because the protagonists in the episode are the survivors as opposed to the undead, maybe that makes the humor feel doesn't work maybe as much i don't know yeah yeah i i agree and that makes a lot of sense with 
you know, again, the, and I think a lot of that is due to, again, you know, Robert Kirkman's writing as well. And the, well, yeah, I, I, I think that throughout like Kirkman's work, whether it's Invincible, whether it's The Walking Dead, whether it's Marvel Zombies, whether it's his run on Ultimate X-Men, that was a thing. He does a great job of balancing like a serious story with like quite lighthearted levity, but like, right. but in a way that doesn't take away from the seriousness of the situation. Like Invincible is like maybe the best example of this. Yeah, the stakes in Invincible are oh. higher than in pretty much any comic book story you can think of, and yeah. yet it still finds this way to be a very charming and endearing coming of age story. I don't think there are few writers that kind of balance those contrasting tones as well as Kirkman does. Right. Totally agree. And, you know, as listeners, as I'm sure, you know, with the geek explained book club, like it's invincible is a lot. And like this, uh, this series really kind of feeds into his sensibilities in that way of his ability to balance, you know, levity with terrible gore and terrible things happening to, to people who may or may not deserve it. But I think what the cool thing about that what if episode is those nods to the series with T'Challa. I also I really dig the idea of Zombie Witch Wanda. Like I I love the aesthetic of that. Um and also, you know, getting the uh idea, you know, at the end of the episode they're heading towards Wakanda and Wakanda's done and dusted and we got a zombie Thanos which don't think about that too hard or else you'll give yourself a headache. Uh, it's, it's really not exactly the Marvel zombies adaptation that I think we all wanted it to be. Um, but it does at least give us an excuse to revisit Marvel zombies, to revisit what made it work, what made it last and maybe what didn't work, you know, what hasn't, you know, endured through the original series. So as we're kind of wrapping up, uh, do you have any final thoughts on the series? And if it were to ever return, is there a story that you think could be fun to explore? I will say one thing about uh, just a minor small thing I'm gonna, just going to throw into the ether and let listeners kind of argue amongst themselves about. The episode does give us like our first MCU mention of Uncle Ben. So oh, God. I- I'll take <laughs> it. If that's the scenario in which we finally like acknowledge that this poor man exists, hell yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think like the What If show, because like it's been an anthology series for the most part, like until the most recent episode, it has kind of been quite up or down for me. There's been a lot of episodes where I've either like really, really liked it, like the Doctor Strange episode, yeah, or I've just kind of not vibed with it at all, really. Like the first two episodes didn't oh, do a lot to kind of win me over. Um, the Thor episode recently wasn't, um, interesting. I wasn't a massive fan of. Okay, and, but then there's episodes like I even kind of put the zombies episode towards the the higher um, tier. Um, I think my two favorites are the Doctor Strange one and the Infinite Ultron episode. Um, oh, this, yeah, super super um, good. But yeah, I, I think like as an adaptation, well, obviously it's not a one to one. There is like a part of me that really wishes they hadn't taken away the idea of like the zombies retaining their personality from the comics because there's a lot you could explore especially if you get like some of the mcu voice actors back imagine like the scene where zombie cap shows up on the train um but if you had like chris evans or someone doing the the voice of chris evans speaking as it like 
as if it was like a twisted yeah. version of MCU Cap. Like Ugh. almost have like that kind of like an a, like a weird inverse of like that big climactic fight from the Winter Soldier. Right. Um, so to me, that does kind of feel like a missed opportunity, the fact that they didn't explore. Um, they are just kind of just mindless zombies dressed like MCU characters as opposed to like being zombified versions of those characters. Right. But maybe that's something that can be explored in the future. I don't know. The other, the other thing I'd like to say is Marvel should do more animated stuff anyway. I think that like that's always been something that DC is like, especially the animated movies. Like obviously Marvel has a lot of like great animated shows throughout the years, but DC's animated movies, like the straight to DVD original movies have always been something that they've knocked out the park. Yeah. And Marvel have never really done. Um, they did like the Ultimate Avengers ones. There yeah. was a couple of others, but it, it's not something that they've like really put a lot of focus into. And like right. what if is like the first like big foray into like the big budget animated projects. Yeah, And I would like to say, I think Marvel Zombies is the kind of property where you could do more with that, especially with the fact that there are so many different stories from the comics help give us like a blade versus marvel zombie story oh, as like an animated man. project that'd be awesome hell yeah um but yeah i think they're like i think overall i think the episode was good i liked the little end stinger with like a zombified version of thanos showing up i think that's fun um obviously like you can't do galactus or the silver surfer because they haven't been introduced yet so like in terms of like a looming intergalactic threat Thanos is a pretty fun one-to-one. I do like the idea of like in the same way in Marvel Zombies 2 and Marvel Zombies Return, you have like the zombified heroes become Galactus. Like what if in a a kind of follow-up to this episode, what if they get the Infinity Gauntlet? What do they do with it? I think that could be like a pretty fun story to tell. For sure. Um, But yeah, other than that, um, why not adapt the uh, Marvel Zombies versus Marvel Apes comic? That was a thing that happened. Who, uh, who doesn't want to see that? Uh, <laughs> I sure might. Well, honestly, I think it's it's a story. Oh, you know what, Sam? You know what, Sam Raimi's back in the MCU wheelhouse. He's doing Doctor Strange too. Here we go. Just do a live action uh, Marvel Zombies Army of Darkness. Bring in Bruce Campbell. Yeah, tie in like establish that Ash versus Evil Dead is MCU canon. Build to like a big bring that show back that show's awesome and do like a big marvel zombies crossover to hell with it i'd watch that (laughs) but yeah i think it's it's interesting that you know this story continues to pop up every so often because it it kind of speaks to the staying power of the idea yeah i think it does like have quite a surprising legacy i think two two books to me that speak out like as being whether directly or indirectly influenced by Marvel Zombies. One of them obviously is Deceased. Right. Um, which I just need to say is one of the best names for anything. So good. Um, obviously like Blackest Night to an extent as well, but that's kind mm. of more of a, a different thing. But one of the books for me that like, I don't know whether the writers uh, ever like acknowledged it as an influence, but I always kind of think that without Marvel Zombies, you might not get something like Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. Oh, that's like, a fair point. Just like the tone and the approach of that story feels like in some way like a spiritual successor to um, Marvel Zombies. And I don't know if that's something that like Colin Bunn did consciously. I don't know whether that's anything he's talked about. But to me, as just kind of a reader who's read both, I kind of do see that I can kind of make some sort of mental connection between zombies to Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. 
Yeah, that's fascinating because it it is a very similar kind of premise where it's like, you know, the Marvel universe and all the heroes are being wiped out by this, you know, unkillable force. And it's it it has a really great blend of, you know, violence and humor as well, which is a very narrow narrow beam to walk. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's a story that I think a lot of people are going to be discovering or revisiting thanks to what if, which is great. And I think it's a perfect comic book to read around this spooky season. So thank you, Owen, as always for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure to have you. Um, if our listeners want to catch up with you, if they want to follow your exploits and figure out what about the ultimate universe you're going to be talking about next, uh, <laughs> how can they uh, how can they follow you well firstly eric i just want to say thanks for having me on uh, it's been great to chat about this um one of like my weird like sleeper favorite marvel books it's just kind of like a weird corner of the marvel universe that shouldn't really exist but i'm i'm really glad it does um if you want some more of me if you want to kind of keep up with what i'm doing um head on over to youtube.com slash Comics. I make uh, video essays explaining the real world and fictional history of your favorite comic book characters and stories. I'm not sure when this is going up, but my next video that I'm working on at the moment will um, be looking at one of my favorite graphic novels, Grant Morrison and Dave McKean's Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth. So Getting good. in the spooky season, talking about some of my favorite kind of horror comic books as well. So uh, I'm guessing that might be up by the time that this is out. So go check that out. Um, follow me on Twitter at Owen Likes Comics. And yeah, maybe catch me next time on the Geeksplain podcast when Eric drags me on because something's tangentially related to the Ultimate Universe. <laughs> Every single time I'm going to be like, wait a second, that background character looks like, looks like a character from Ultimate End. All right, we're bringing Owen back in. We got to talk about this. Uh, but yeah, honestly, Owen is an incredible, incredible talent. Um, his videos are always top tier quality and they give you a different perspective. Even if you are a comics connoisseur, like I assume myself to be, Owen has a way of figuring out how to come at different topics and different books from an angle that you might not expect. And the video that he did on Marvel Zombies is incredible. Um, as we're recording this, uh, he did an he did an incredible video on Ultimate X-Men, which he reads the ultimate comic so you don't have to. So if nothing else, Owen is doing the Lord's work, giving you content off of a very uh, varied quality when it comes to uh, that line of comics. So I guess, give that, a- I guess that's the diplomatic way to describe it. <laughs> I'm trying to be as diplomatic as I can. I'm personally responsible for Mark Miller's fortunes with the amount of ultimate books I've had to read over the past couple of years. Well, it makes sense because he is your favorite creator. So yeah, I guess so. I'll argue with that. (laughs) I I love me some the ultimates. That's it. (laughs) But yeah. Say about that. Brian Hitch's art, one of my favorite, one of the best drawn. Excellent. I love look at that book super super good about the rest of it (laughs) it is a shame but yeah go follow owen on the socials go check out the youtube channel it's incredible and uh i guess 
next time next time we have owen on we'll dive further into the world of comic books whether it be probably the ultimate universe we'll 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 go do an entire episode on ultimatum we'll make him read it again and we'll just keep keep putting owen through this groundhog's day torture of diving into the worst and the worst of what the ultimate universe has to offer i hate it thanks and that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Explain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice and leave us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, especially subscriptions, really does help me out, really helps the podcast out, kind of raises our stock in the podcasting space and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. Once again, just want to say a huge thank you to Owen from the Owen Likes Comics YouTube channel for coming back on the podcast. It's always fun having him on. Uh, If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to his YouTube channel. I'll put the link in the description of this podcast in the show notes. Uh, Owen's videos are amazing, and he actually did a video on uh, Marvel Zombies, as he mentioned, and I will put a link to that as well, Uh, just diving deeper into it, and uh, he's awesome. So thanks again, Owen, for coming on the show. Uh, I'm just going to do a quick little wrap up here um i am like i said still feeling under the weather so no mailbag this week but keep sending me your emails nothing would make me happier than to bring the uh mailbag back i've already got a few emails that i've gotten in if you want to write to me you have something uh you want to say about the podcast about anything that we've talked about about geektober or if you have a question for me uh feel free write in uh i read all of them and i do read them on the podcast uh send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com put mailbag in the subject subject header and I will read them here on the podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who's already written in for the last couple of weeks. I'm sorry that I haven't been able to get to them, but I promise that I absolutely will next week. So like I said, keep bringing that in. Uh, Next week, next week is going to be the uh, finale of Geektober. I've had a ton of fun. I hope you have too. Getting these amazing guests on the podcast, have some great conversations. It's been fantastic. And we are going to round things out with a scoobtastic episode uh, bringing back Scott Nicewander from the NerdSync YouTube channel to talk about my favorite Scooby-Doo animated film, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. Tune in next week for that. Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for Geeksplain, this is Eric Ozana. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, stay spooky, and we will see you next time. Something strange Come with us and you will see This our town of Halloween This is Halloween This is Halloween Pumpkin scream in the dead of night This is Halloween Everybody make a scene Trick or treat Tell the neighbors on your diaphragm It's our town Everybody scream It's town of Halloween I am the one hiding under your bed Teeth ground sharp and eyes glowing red I am the one hiding under your stairs. Fingers like snakes and spiders in my hair. This is Halloween, this is Halloween, 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 Halloween. Halloween.
this town we call home. Everyone hail to the pumpkin song. In this town, don't we love it now? Everybody's waiting for the next surprise. Down that corner and hiding in the trash can. Something's waiting now to pounce and how you scream. This is Halloween. Red and black. It's like a green. Aren't you scared? Well, that's just fine. Say it once, say it twice. Take a chance and roll the dice. Right with the moon in the dead of night. Everybody scream. Everybody scream. Special guy. The Wild Man Jack is king of the pumpkin patch. Everyone hail to the pumpkin. 